Today's Old Testament reading comes from Exodus chapter 34, verses 1 through 17. The Lord said to Moses, Chisel out two stone tablets like the first ones, and I will write on them the words that were on the first tablets which you broke. Be ready in the morning, and then come up on Mount Sinai. Present yourself to me there on top of the mountain. No one is to come with you or be seen anywhere on the mountain. Not even the flocks and herds may graze in front of the mountain. So Moses chiseled out two stone tablets like the first ones and went up Mount Sinai early in the morning as the Lord had commanded him. And he carried the two stone tablets in his hands. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. Moses bowed to the ground at once and worshiped. Lord, he said, if I have found favor in your eyes, then let the Lord go with us. Although this is a stiff-necked people, forgive our wickedness and our sin, and take us as your inheritance. Then the Lord said, I am making a covenant with you. Before all your people, I will do wonders never before done in any nation in all the world. The people you live among will see how awesome is the work that I, the Lord, will do for you. Obey what I command you today. I will drive out before you the Amorites, Canaanites, Hittites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. Be careful not to make a treaty with those who live in the land where you are going, or they will be a snare among you. Break down their altars, smash their sacred stones, and cut down their Asherah poles. Do not worship any other god, for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous god. Be careful not to make a treaty with those who live in the land, for when they prostitute themselves to their gods and sacrifice to them, they will invite you, and you will eat their sacrifices. And when you choose some of their daughters as wives for your sons, and those daughters prostitute themselves to their gods, they will lead your sons to do the same. Do not make any idols. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Shane and Gordon. I think it was a perfectly, perfectly chosen song. Um, Our scripture text, you'll find in your bulletin, is Matthew, uh, our sermon text, rather, is Matthew 28, verses 16 to 20, followed by Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 to 13. Let's read both of those together. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And then Matthew 6, our our text on the Lord's Prayer. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. 
Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, from the evil one. This too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And so many of you probably remember and recognize this text in Matthew chapter 28, right? This is actually one that I remember memorizing at a young age, right? All authority in heaven on earth has been given unto me, therefore go and make disciples. And and it's a well-known passage. So let's go through it. And I want to talk about this and a little bit of the Old Testament reading and, and some things we can learn for today when we think about the Lord's Prayer and this command or this prayer we pray, hallowed be your name. What does that mean? So in verse 16, Matthew tells us that there's, reminds us there's only 11 disciples, right? Where we are in the story at the end of the chat, or book of Matthew is that Christ has died, he is resurrected, and uh, they are enduring the, the, the loss of Jesus and also the loss of Judas. And so there's 11 of them. And, and Jesus tells them to go to some place, or had told them before, I guess it tells us in verse 16, some place they all knew, some place in Galilee. It doesn't tell us where, where it was, but they apparently knew where they were going to meet him, and so they go to this place. And in verse 17, Scripture tells us that he is there, and he appears to the disciples, and that they worship him. Which, of course, is <laughs> the right and proper response uh, when someone conquers death, <laughs> um, that they are worthy of our worship. It says also in verse 17 that some doubted. Maybe it was our friend Thomas again. <laughs> Doubting that maybe Jesus didn't really raise from the dead. Matthew actually, if you read the end of Matthew, doesn't record all of Jesus' appearances to the disciples uh, after he was crucified. Um, other gospels tell more detail, especially the gospel of John, about how Jesus revealed himself to the disciples. Matthew sort of, if you go back and read chapter 28, starts with how he revealed himself to the women at the tomb, mentions a little bit about, you know, hey, everyone thinks they're going to hide the body or whatever, and then goes right to this. Matthew put his big, big focus at the end of his gospel on this interaction with Jesus and his disciples after the resurrection. And so this then is, is, is when Jesus gives this wonderful charge that we call in the church the Great Commission, Right, the commissioning of the disciples to go and live this life that many of us, as I said, are familiar with. He says in verse 18 that all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Now, you can spend a long time talking about this, right? What is Jesus talking about? What kind of authority? How, how active is this authority? How authoritative is Jesus, right? There's a lot of things we could talk about with this. But I just want to give us an overview about this idea of authority. All authority. I would argue, yes. He actually means what he's saying here in all authority. 
has been given to him. If you want to think about it another way, think of it as the maximal amount of authority any one being could have over things of this earth, that is Jesus's. That means all of it, nature, all of the creation, space, outer space, and infinite beyond, and the thing that kind of hurts our brain to think about how space is so big and infinite, yes, Jesus is in control of that. Does that mean he's in control of all of the creatures in this world we live in? Yes, absolutely. Does that mean Jesus is in charge of me? Absolutely he is. It says heaven and earth. Does that mean that Jesus has authority over all those weird heavenly beings we read about in the Bible that have eyes all over the place and wings and they're floating around singing praises to God all day? Yes, it does. All authority, all of it. And the immediate human reaction is to say, what? well, I'm still the head of my household, right? Well, okay, fine. But scripture also teaches that (laughs) the head of the house is under submission and authority to Jesus. Okay, but I'm still the head of my company. I am the authority of my company. Well, yeah, but it is the Lord who gave you those gifts. Deuteronomy tells us that it is the Lord who gives us the ability to make wealth. Well, I'm still the authority of what I do with my money. Yeah, you are, but you're in submission to Jesus. I once heard someone even say, well, yes, okay, Jesus is in charge of all these things, but I'm still in control. I'm still in authority over my very body. I can control that, can't I? Yeah, but Scripture also tells us that your body is not your own, and it was bought at a price in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. So when Jesus says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, he actually means it. This is not a metaphor. This is not an exaggeration. This is quite literally the culmination of all of these things we read about in Scripture. That all authority has been given to him in the resurrection. And so he then says to them in verse 19, so then let me tell you, with all my authority, here's what I say to you. Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teach them to obey everything I've commanded you, and I'll be with you. And when we look at our Old Testament passage, it's it's, it's a, a retelling of the covenant that God made with Moses. Right? And what is God telling Moses and the people? To follow me. What is Jesus telling his disciples? Follow me and only me. Moses is telling the people as they were getting ready to go into the promised land. Now, we know there was a little bit of a hiccup in that plan. They had to wait about 40 years. But they were still getting ready to go into the promised land. And God is telling them, hey, follow me and only me. The disciples were about to go into their life and ministry without their rabbi, without their mentor, without their friend. And he is saying, all authority has been given to me, and I will be with you wherever you go. So whatever you do, do in my name, and for me, and through me. And immediately, I think, man, I, I don't like authority. How many of you guys like authority? All right? Many of us do not like authority, if we're totally honest with ourselves. All right? Don't tell me I have to wear a mask. Are you kidding me? I have to wear a mask even here? I'm outside. I'm 20 meters away from people. Why do I have to wear a mask? Don't tell me you're okay with authority. We all complain, right? If I'm honest, I just don't like being told what to do. I'm I'm the baby in my family. I'm the youngest brother. And I have this little thing inside of me that always wants to push the boundaries, right? Why? 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 
Well, I know the speed limit says 100 kilometers an hour, but I know the camera won't flash if I'm, if, unless I'm going 105, so I could easily go 103 or 104 and still be okay. And then the ticket comes in the mail, right? <laughs> I borrowed the Sparks' car once and got a ticket. Um, just pushing those boundaries, right? We all love to push boundaries. No one likes being told what to do. But Jesus says, right here, as his disciples are going out into the world, all authority, all nations, everything I have commanded you has been given to me. And, and, and let's remember, too, that Jesus says, everything I've commanded, not just the stuff you like. This is a big one for the world today, isn't it? How many people want to take the teachings of Jesus and apply them where they're convenient or they're helpful or they get across their agenda, but then they leave beside the other stuff that maybe is a little too harsh, right? Many people want to take the teachings of Jesus at their leisure, at their leisure, and say, well, I want to love my neighbor, but I'm pretty sure I don't want to lay my life down for the church, (laughs) right? They want to take the ones they like best and sort of skim over the really hard ones, Let me suggest to you, there's actually a great book that came out last year called What If Jesus Was Serious? (laughs) And actually, we actually took these commands as commands. (laughs) Folks, Jesus was serious. Jesus wasn't joking when he said this. Jesus wasn't telling his disciples, hey, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me, and therefore go and make disciples, baptizing them, and teach them the commands that you like best, and the ones I said that you didn't like, don't worry about it. I'd be really happy if he had said that, because that would make my life a lot easier. But he didn't. If we believe what we're saying in the Lord's Prayer, every single week, by the way, when we pray this prayer, hallowed be your name, holy is your name, you, Lord Jesus Christ, are set apart, then what we're saying is that we believe that Jesus is different. We believe Jesus carries out the authority from God in the Old Testament into the new covenant that he made with you and I through his death and resurrection. What Jesus is saying is that I have the power that God claimed in the Old Testament in this passage that we read. I carry that same weight and authority. Do you remember the story, and I love this, those of you who have been in my office maybe have noticed it on my desk, I have a drawing of this. The story in Mark chapter 2 of the guy on the mat. Remember that story? Uh, Jesus is in town and all these people are around and they want to get to him, but they can't. And so what they do is they destroy someone's house and lower their friend on a mat through the roof. And Jesus does something there that's really, really amazing. Jesus says to him, your sins are forgiven. And the Pharisees lose their minds. Because they're thinking, who do you think you are? Only God can forgive sins. What are you saying? And Jesus responds by, hey, Let me ask you a question. What's easier? To say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk? I'm going to do both. (laughs) You want to know by what power I forgive sins? I'm going to tell this person who's been a cripple their whole life and lived on this little mat carried around by their friends, I'm going to tell them to walk so that you can see by what power I forgive sins. And what Jesus is doing there is he is showing the Pharisees, I carry the power of God. That God has sent me to carry the authority that God has. Remember the book of Job in the Old Testament when Job questions God's authority? Remember God's response? Hey Job, I'll answer your questions, but first you answer me a question. Tell me how I put the stars in the sky. Tell me how I filled up the oceans. 
Our Lord Jesus carries that same authority. (laughs) He was serious. The same authority of God in the Old Testament is personified in the incarnation of Jesus Christ, the Word becoming flesh and dwelling among us. And in his life, in his teaching, his resurrection from the dead, the authority Jesus is claiming is the totality of the authority of God presented in the scriptures. That means Jesus has all authority. Not some authority, not when it's convenient, not when we want to give it to him, not when on Sundays, but not on Mondays. That means all. And if Jesus has all authority, then let me ask you, then what power do we have? What authority do we then have? Only that which is given by Jesus Christ. If we pray every Sunday, hallowed be your name, and we believe the words of the words here in Matthew, what we're saying with our prayers and with our worship is that I will not seek any other power but the power of Jesus. What the Christian believes is that we let go of our need for authority, our desire to be right, so that Jesus' name would be proclaimed among this world. If this is true, and his name truly is holy, and he has the authority of God, then what that means is that when we are given authority in work, in home, in family life, with whatever it is, that we hold this authority loosely in prayer. That we regularly go to Jesus and say, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. Because when I read this text, I see that this is about Jesus, not me. And one more thing I want to point out about this text that I find really, really interesting to encourage us. When you read this text in Greek, it's interesting, you know, there's only one direct command to the people. See, we read it and we see go, make disciples, baptize. There's there's lots of things in there we could see as commands, right? There's actually only one direct command in this, and it's the words make disciples. The other ones are what's called passive commands, right? do those things, but the, the, the main crux of this in Greek is make disciples. But what's amazing, and this is where language gets really, really fun, we think of disciple as a noun. A disciple is a thing, a disciple of Jesus, right? But in Greek, this is actually not make disciples, it's disciple. It's a verb. Like, go, swim, talk, run, disciple. What Jesus is saying is he's giving emphasis to this to his disciples and saying, go be disciples. Go out into this world as my disciples. Teach people, baptize people, live under my authority, but just disciple. It's a verb. And many people say, no, Sam, disciple is not a verb. It's a noun. And every other time in the book of Matthew, it's used as a noun. The disciples, the followers of Jesus, all these things. But here, in Jesus' last address in the book of Matthew, he's saying, Go and do these things. Go live these things. Go take these things out to the world. He's not saying you have to build a perfect disciple of Jesus like a model car that you put together with all the right pieces and all the right elements and you glue it together just so. Rather, he's saying this is a thing you and I do constantly. I like to think of it, I combine scriptures a lot of times in my head, and I make my own 
sort of Bible passages. And that might be heretical, and if it is, I'm sorry. But I like to combine things, and I think of it as, remember the, command, uh, the, the thing Paul says at the end of 1 Thessalonians in, in chapter 5? He says, um, rejoice always, pray continually. I kind of like the idea of adding this to that list, right? Rejoice always, pray continually, disciple. Like This is the will of Christ Jesus for our lives. Jesus is saying to his disciples, go out in your life every day, live, baptize, preach, teach, do everything I've shown you these last couple of years, and you will be continuing my very work. And it's not just doing what he did, but it is regarding people as Jesus saw them. It is seeing the world around the way Jesus saw the world. And when I say this out loud, we all think, yeah, let's do it. But it's hard. And one of the reasons it's hard, and I'm going to be honest with you about my issue, this may not be your issue, but this is my issue, is because authority is sometimes something that, like I said, it rubs us the wrong way. We're free. We can do what we want. Don't tell me what to do. Many of us, if we're being really honest, we don't like authority because authority has let us down, hasn't it? How many of you, you don't have to raise your hands, I'll raise my hand for all of us, have had authorities in our lives that have hurt us, that have lied to us, that have cheated, broken, or stolen from us? How many of us have had people that we thought we could trust but have taken advantage of us? Because authority has let us down, we struggle to trust Jesus sometimes. Right? I mean, I've got an extra minute. You know what my biggest struggle was as a teenager? When they would tell me, God loves you like a father. And I would say, pass. I want nothing like that kind of love, right? Because authority had let me down in my life as a child when they said to me, God loves you like a father. I was like, no, I'm not into that. But then I remember later on reading Psalm 98.5 and it says that God is a father to the fatherless. And I thought, oh, I can get behind that. (laughs) Right? See, we have this picture of authority that we've allowed sin to corrupt in our brain. Other people have made bad choices. Other people have abused power. Other people have done things that are foolish and it hurts us. But we cannot allow us to apply those things to our Lord Jesus Christ. Because he has not done those things. People maybe have done it in his name. But Jesus has not done those things. I honestly think, church, that we all really want authority. But we've been so hurt by the world that we just feel like we can't trust anyone. And so we'd rather do it ourselves. But deep down inside, I think if we're honest, at least I am, I really want an authority I can trust in this life. I want someone that leads me to the best possible scenario of my life. I want to be under someone's authority I never have to second guess. I want to be under someone's authority who I never have to doubt, who I never have to wonder if they have my best interest in mind. Friends, that's Jesus. That is our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Some will doubt him. We know that. Some won't believe We know that. Some will reject you for believing in him. You might even get killed for believing in him. In Acts, the disciples, when they got beaten up by the Pharisees in the Sanhedrin, it says they left praising God because they got beaten up like Jesus got beat up. 
I hope that doesn't happen to you. But I want to encourage you guys today. I want to encourage us, because this is encouraging to me. When I read this passage, when I read, hallowed be your name, when I read Jesus, God, you are holy and set apart. When I read Jesus saying that all authority has been given to me, what he's saying is that you can trust me. Jesus is saying, remember the power and the authority of God in the Old Testament. Remember the God who created the Alps, which, by the way, have been beautiful yesterday and today. The God who created those things by speaking. Remember how powerful that God is? All of that power was personified in me. And what I did with that authority, as, what Jesus did with that authority, he says, I laid my life down for you so that you could trust me. And I give it to you. All authority you have in your life, I give it to you freely so that you can go and lay your lives down for others. Because you can trust me. And you can trust that this is the best way to live. The Apostle Paul to the Corinthian church at the end of chapter 12 says, this is the most excellent way to live. And so wherever you go, as his disciple, what he's saying is go and disciple. Make it a verb in your life. Go and lay your life down. Don't crave authority and power. That's Jesus's. So don't, 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 don't try to grab that. This is what Adam and Eve did, right? They tried to take the one thing God reserved for himself. Don't try to grab authority and power from God. But instead, look at what he's given you through his gifts and through your abilities and go and use that authority Christ has freely given you to lay your lives down and serve others. And when you pray, as we will in a little bit in our service, when you pray, hallowed be your name, remember that the authority we are all seeking, that this whole world is looking for, already belongs to someone. And we are called to serve him. Amen? Let's pray. God, you are good. Lord, we all have scars and wounds of authority that have hurt us. But Lord, I pray that you would heal those wounds. God, I pray that we would see those scars and we would look not to other people or to ourselves, but to you and you alone. May your word bring healing. May your love bring peace. And may your commands lead us to disciple. To live as disciples, to make disciples, to go into the world representing you and you alone. And so, God, we make that our prayer together as your church. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we bow to your authority, knowing that your authority is good and your authority is love. And though we may speak, Lord, let it be you who speaks through us. And we make this our prayer all together. Amen.